I'm Paul Griffith, and in this Business of Adventure podcast, we're continuing our conversation with Mark Beaumont, the endurance athlete and world record-breaking round-the-world cyclist. In it, we talk about how he's built a career out of adventures and how he's branched out into broadcasting and the world of business advice and investing. In part one of the podcast, we heard how Mark found himself making his way as an adventurer, the commercial skills he discovered you need to earn a living in the sector, and his advice on the sort of people you should surround yourself with. So let's get back into the conversation now and hear Mark's thoughts on the skills you can take from the world of adventure into the world of commerce and vice versa, how you can go about learning to be more business-like in your world of adventure. And of course, we want to know the thing he's found most surprising about working in this world of adventure. So the question was, um, how can people go about getting the help and learning the business skills if they feel, you know, it's, it's an alien world to me, I understand the adventure world, but I'm not quite sure I understand the the business commercial side how can they go about getting that help um i mean it, it, i think it's i think it's really important to realize that everyone what everyone's in business so this idea of there being a business world and a non-business world is, is kind of a fiction we're, we're all mm-hmm. we're, so i think there can be that sort of big scary city mindset of well i'm in the adventure world so i'm not a business person well i'm afraid you are because you're putting bread on the table you're you're paying the rent or the mortgage you know we're we're all in business so the first thing i would say is yes clearly there's skill sets that you can learn around communication deal making accountancy finance whatever that is clearly but i think it's helpful just to put yourself in the driving seat and say if you're listening to this podcast if you care about your own career and building opportunities, you're a business person. And, and I think just own that. Don't, don't just sort of say, well, I'm an adventure person, so I'm not in business. You are a business person, unless you're doing this for charity. And we all have uncertainties and insecurities. You know, I spend my life looking around me and admiring people around me, going, oh, my goodness, they're so much more knowledgeable or better at this than I am. We all have you know, imposter syndrome in lots of ways. So I think just acknowledge that. That's okay. And just learn. Learn from others. Surround yourself by people you respect. Ask questions. Don't be don't be afraid of asking what you what you might think is the daft questions. It's okay not to know. If you want to be more academic than that and actually go back and do some night classes, you know, do some part-time learning, build your skill sets. I don't know, you might be terrible at Excel. I mean, if, if it's literally the nuts and bolts of how to get better at whatever it is. Broadcasting, great example. The The best way to get better at keynote speaking and presenting is to do them. But there are basic rules of engagement. I was coached by the BBC in my early days around presenting and it massively helped. So um, if you want to actually have more class-based learning, I, I would encourage you to do that. But I think the first thing I said was actually more important. Don't put yourself in a bucket. Don't think, well, because I'm making my living in the adventure world, I'm not a business person. You are a business person. O- own that. Yep. Um, don't be don't be scared about asking questions. And just because you feel you're in adventure sports or 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 or, or the adventure world that you can't be a deal maker, you can't build partnerships, you can't propose things. Don't be sitting there sort of thinking, well. It's for life to give me opportunities. Yeah. Your mindset needs to be about creating opportunities, spot opportunities, suggest things. You're going to make mistakes. But I think that quiet confidence to create opportunities, to put a financial value on your time, I think that's a huge thing in the adventure world. 
value your time. If people value what you do and what you create and the experiences that you create, value them properly. And I think I could relate that to so many things, advisory, speaking, coaching, whatever you do in the adventure world. Because if you undermine your own value, you're not just shooting yourself in the food, but you're undermining the, the, the credibility of the entire industry. And, you know, to be a professional adventure athlete or broadcaster or coach or whatever you are, I think you're you're upholding the standards for everyone. And you would never expect your lawyer or your accountant or your doctor to discount. And that race to the bottom mindset doesn't help anyone. So, you know, I always I always sort of say, look, this is what I'm worth. This is how this is the value that I bring. Yeah. And, you know, you, you stand by that. And I think in, people in the adventure world need to take themselves as seriously as any other profession, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant. And if you don't do that, then you can't expect other people to take you seriously. Uh, I think that's that's really well said, really well said. And I mean, we, we all sit there actually assuming that the professionals also feel the same and value themselves. And it's surprising how sometimes you need to talk to some of the top lawyers and point out the same thing. Um, and what I liked also there was this whole point about the mindset, uh, it, yeah, it, you are a business, um, and then move on from that. And I think I'd even go so far to go to the opposite way. It's you can use the fact that you're not necessarily a, an expert professing to be um, a business person and use the imposter syndrome and ask those silly questions. Um, that's, that's, that's a good way forwards. So we've talked a lot about the differences between the adventure world and the business world but what are the similarities what do you take from the stuff you've done in ultra endurance cycling and other expeditions into the commercial world i mean personally i see huge commonality because um people always look at the results so people always look at my ability to you know row an ocean or climb a mountain or cycle around the world those are that's an output. That's once you've create, given yourself the opportunity to do it. You know, normally I need to raise sponsorship. I need to create broadcast deals. I need to build a team around me to do that. When I went around the world in less than eighty days, I had forty people working for me. You know, it was a, mm. a seven seven figure budget. It was a, a two and a half year project. So the the actual sport of it was the was the outcome was the result at the end of all that. And um, you know, I, I, I see the same with entrepreneurs that I work with every week where you know ultimately they've got a technology they've got an idea they've got an an impact in mind this is what we want to do in the world uh, that's helpful and, and good but ultimately we need we need investment i need to make people care i need to build a team around me i need to so for me it's probably more linear than than for most because a lot of people listening to this podcast will will live in the adventure world in a in a maybe maybe a, a different way than i do I still make films with, with Global Cycling Network and, and occasionally, you know, BBC and others. But but ultimately, I spend more time these days, you know, backing entrepreneurs. And I use exactly the same language. You know, there's always a sprint mindset around each project. There's always a tight li- timeline to deliver what you said you would deliver. And there's always a massive focus on communication. You know, not just why, why would you care, but why would other people care? Because I think that's the bit that a lot of entrepreneurs miss and, and, and adventure athletes it's quite clear why you would care. You get to do what you're, you're, you know, you're motivated to do. But actually finding your customers, and I know that sounds a bit too commercial, but finding your customers in the adventure world 
is it kind of goes back to our previous previous point is is not a given and if you're going to broaden out your marketplace engage with your customers where they are it takes a level of empathy and understanding and communication that that needs that needs worked on and you know you can probably spot with the way i've talked about that i could be talking about scaling a health tech company or cycling around the planet yep. we're talking about exactly the same thing i i wholeheartedly agree and i'm hoping that i think it's it's a lot easier for people to hear that coming from a person who's got a strong adventure background than someone who's uh, got a strong corporate background. So that, that's this great. Um, we've talked a lot about the things you've learned, which you know, I think answers a lot of the questions we had about advice you might give for those starting out. But I suppose it's worth asking, is there any other advice you'd give to anyone who's starting out thinking about making a life in outdoors now? I think the world has changed so much in the last 20 years. I mean, it goes without saying the way the audience that you can speak to now is very different than the audience when I started back in uh, 2006, 2007. I mean, my my first documentaries I was filming onto mini DV, which was reel to reel cassette. I was couriering it back from, you know, Lahore in Pakistan and hoping the tapes would make it back to the BBC. I mean, we clearly live in a very different world. Um, but I think at the heart of any career in the adventure world, and I, I say that could span from adventure tourism through to guiding, coaching. It could it could be you know it could be a broadcaster or a performance athlete like some of the stuff I've done. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, the, there's there's a phrase that I always try and help people with when when they ask for advice, and and it's um, you know shoot for the stars but learn your trade. And the shoot for your stars bit is because I'm never going to curtail your ambition. You know, please, please think big and don't let anyone else tell you you can't. But I think the learn your trade bit is fundamentally important. And I alluded to it earlier on. I think there's a lot of people who want to fall out of bed and climb Everest or fall out of bed and cycle around the world. And clearly, that's a that's a great dream. But I think there's two things you need to learn within that. I mean, you probably want to climb a Monroe or cycle across <laughs> England first. And and so know yourself and have the technical competence. But then also, if you are wanting to make it into a business beyond an adventure sport, then genuinely investing time into thinking, who is your customer? Who is your customer? And how am I going to engage with them? I had a conversation yesterday with somebody who got in touch and said, look, I'm going to do this amazing trip because I want to do it and I've been to a charity and you know they're not going to take it and bring in sponsors so I'm going to go to a different charity and uh, and, and I, I had exactly that conversation I said I think it's amazing you want to do this and I think it's amazing you want to engage with charities but you've got to realize that there's a million and one other people out there trying to do similar amazing things and you can't expect anyone else to make it happen for you you could spend your life talking to you know, another hundred companies or another hundred charities or another hundred broadcasters. And they're all going to say no, because you you need to have that first mover confidence. You need to be able to say to people, whoever they are, I'm doing this anyway. And it's an opportunity for you to get involved with what I'm doing, as opposed to, I need you to make this happen for me. Because otherwise people are just going to wish you well, and you move on to the next one. So I think, you know, whilst things have changed in terms of how you how you interact with your 
with, with, with your sponsors, with your funders, with your customers over the last 20 years, the basic premise of having the conviction to, to sort of build, build, you know, build your business, back yourself before other people back you, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's the same now in the social media age as it was 20 years ago. And before you spend money on your logo and your brand and your, your identity, just, just get the basics right of having the credibility to be good at what you do. And I can think of lots of influencers and ambassadors who, you know, have amazing content reels, but in my humble opinion, haven't, haven't, haven't yet done the hard miles, haven't yet done stuff in their lives, which really shows that they're best in class, if that's what you want to do. And I think that that, that deep credibility is at the heart of what, what, what allows a business to be sustainable because it goes back to values and it goes back to trust. If people are going to work with you long term, you, you've got to have that sort of consistency and credibility. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the fastest bike rider, but I think what, what I've built with my teams over the last 20 years is a trust base where if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. And the only time I've not seen a project through is if it was unsafe to do so. Safety comes first, finishing comes second. Somewhere along the ride, try and have fun, try and enjoy what you're doing. <laughs> but I think people are people, and, and here's I think, uh, sorry, it's a, but I think here's a really important point. Mm. Sure, so it's a really important point. Yeah, I think uh, it's a really important point. If if adventure sports or adventure uh, is something you wish to do professionally, I think. I think it's also worth realizing the responsibility that comes with. Like any job, if, you know, let me take an example. Um, if I cycle around the world and I self-fund it and I do it as an amateur, that's fantastic. And it's, if I stop or I change my route or, you know, or whatever, then that's completely my prerogative. If I have corporate sponsors, if I turn around and I take the dollar, I take the pound, I build a business out of it, I have investors, I have chips, I, okay. The difference is if I then decide to do exactly the same thing and say cycle around the world, but this time I've got sponsors, I'm doing it as a business, I've got, I've got partnerships, then I've got a completely different responsibility as an adventure athlete. So I simply don't understand people who turn around in the adventure sport world and don't complete on things, don't do things that they said they would do when they've got corporate sponsors, backers, broadcasters, the rest of it. Because as a professional, you've you've handed over that personal choice. It's no longer whether you want to do it, whether you feel like doing it. It is your job. You've said you're going to do it. You've taken the pound, you've taken the dollar, and it is your job. And I know that sounds like a very serious point because it is a serious point. It, it, you know, you you wouldn't go to your doctor and then to turn around halfway through the consultation and say, "Oh, I'm just I just don't feel like it today. You know, come back another day." If 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 it's your job to do what you will do, and I and I and I struggle with this sometimes in the adventure world. I think you've got that professional accountability, and professional accountability means that other people have bought into you. And they trust that you'll do what you said you would do. And I think whilst it can be hard and, you know, incredibly difficult and sometimes dangerous in the adventure world, I think understanding the responsibilities outside of what 
you want to do yourself is fundamentally important. So perhaps I'm now more speaking about major expeditions where you've got sponsors and yeah. you're a broadcaster and there's the shareholders to what you do. But I, th- I think it's a I think it's a useful thing to think about in the adventure world. If you're taking on fee paying sponsors, backers, broadcasters, it completely changes the switch. You're not an amateur anymore. You're a professional. No, I'm glad you clarified that. And I was just going to say the same thing. What you're talking about is from the extreme of the big expeditions you do. But yes, it does apply if you're taking a bunch of people down caves in the Peak District. It's sort of, it's uh, everything you say, I think, applies. Um, we are sort of running out of time, but I do want to ask um, a slightly different question. Uh, what you found the most surprising thing about working in the world of adventure? I think the reason... I got into adventure sports and the world of adventure is for very personal reasons. You know, I was that kid that never grew up and just wanted had the wanderlust of adventure. So I, I did it because I wanted to do it. I mean, the thing that surprised me throughout my career is how much I've absolutely loved the thrill of, of broadcast and storytelling. I was in the first six years of my career with the BBC, I was taken under the wing by the great late David Peat, who was a legendary filmmaker Mm-hmm. documentary maker and I had quite a I had quite a sort of a utilitarian sum you know I just wanted to get return on investment for my sponsors I wanted to thank my sponsors I didn't get into documentary making because I had any sort of creative side to me but working with David shared gave me that great passion for in the adventure world you can share experiences you can take people on journeys you can change people's lives and honestly I the, be- the best feedback in the world is when people say that in some small way, you know, that, that the books, the podcasts, the, the, mm. the documentaries have, 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 have given them the quiet confidence to do something positive in their lives. I mean, there is no better feedback loop. I'll, I'll finish with a, a very quick story. A, a, lady yeah. emailed me, a lady emailed me last week and she said, um, I read your first book, The Man Who Cycled the World, uh, 10, 12 years ago, and I decided in my late 20s to to cycle around the world my dad didn't want me to my family didn't want me to they thought it was crazy as a as a sort of a single female to cycle around the world and and to take a career break but I wanted to do it anyway so she put a notice out there on a notice board and somebody came back and said I want to do that too and it was a bit of a crazy punt but after a bunch of meetings and 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 a bit of time passed they decided to set out to cycle around the world together and she felt this was a huge step into the unknown. She was off to cycle around the world with somebody who she barely knew. And she 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 emailed me to say that, Mark, I want to tell you that we cycled around the world. I wanted to tell you that I've written a book about it and would you kindly write a comment on the, the cover. But I also want to tell you that we're getting married. And, um, <laughs> and I've, ne- I've never met her. I, I don't know who this is. But in some small way, 12 years ago, you know, a story that I shared for, for ultimately selfish reasons, you know, has, 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 has changed her life forever. And I love that. I mean, that's, that's, that's the butterfly effect, isn't it? It is. And it's, it's a surprising side effect. But yeah, stories are such a strong part of the whole thing. That's brilliant. Um, I do want to ask one more question if you've got the time. And that's just uh, what should we be looking at for next in the world of Mark Beaumont? In terms of adventure, I've just come back from Svalbard. I was 500 miles north of the Arctic Circle uh, a few weeks ago, and I was uh, trying to 
ski uh, some very remote glaciers and mountains in the western fjords just north of Longyearbyen. So uh, a part of the world which is is still you know unspoilt and um, incredibly remote, and I just hope it's there in the same form for for my for my daughters to see in a couple of decades time. But um, yeah, just back, just back. Absolutely loved it. So we were sailing and ski mountaineering. And um, yeah, there'll be, there'll be lots, lots more adventures. But uh, my daughters are, are nine and seven. So I'm trying not to do expeditions that take me away for too long. Yeah, okay. They understood that. Um, lots to look forward to, but maybe what their adventures, who knows, who knows. Um, sadly, I do think we're running out of time, but Thank you, Mark. That's just um, brilliant to get your thoughts. So I think there is a lot of gold in there for anyone who's interested in the business of adventure. I hope you will listen carefully and listen again. Um, and I hope that the thoughts and your stories from today have gone on to inspire others and give them confidence to get what they're doing. So thank you again and goodbye. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening today. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Business of Adventure podcast wherever you normally get yours. You can also read about the lessons in earning a living learnt by a wide range of people in the sector by searching for the Business of Adventure on Substack. Goodbye.